Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon to you and yours. Happy Tuesday, December 13th, the year 2022. Hope you're having a great, great day. Oh, Lionel Messi's having a great day, as is Argentina at the half of the FIFA World Cup semifinal. Argentina 2, Croatia 1. Just one of the many things that we will cover today in the next two hours. Um all thanks to the help of my producer, James Mesh, who's in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 FM in Lake Charles, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And uh, if you're in the Acadiana area and you want to put a face to the voice, pop on your television set because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Boy, if this, if this is ever a lesson to, to live your life each and every day because you just never know. My goodness, Mississippi State football coach Mike Leach died Monday night after complications related to a heart condition. He was 61 years old. Um Leach's family said in a statement released today by the school that Leach participated in organ donation at the University of Mississippi Medical Center as a final act of charity. Man, uh, in his third season as Mississippi State's head coach, uh, he had told others after the regular season concluded that he struggled with pneumonia during the season, but was feeling better. He was at practice Saturday before suffering his health issue on Sunday. Um, how quickly it comes and how quickly it goes. I shook hands with Mike Leach once, really didn't know him at all. I know him as like you know him. Um, different unique uh the winningest football coach in texas tech history number three in coaching wins at washington state led his teams to a bowl game in 19 of his 21 seasons as an fbs head coach um he was 19 and 17 at mississippi state eight and four this season wow um just, uh, I don't know what to say. He's known for his prolific air raid offenses. Uh, he was 158 wins, 107 losses in his 21 seasons as a head coach. I guess he's best known for his quirky personality, his dry wit. He talked a lot about history and business and, and politics. Very rarely talked about football. He never played football. He was an attorney, uh, but one of the most creative, innovative minds um, of all time. He's got four of the nine highest single-season passing yardage totals in FBS history, seven 
of the top 26 came under quarterbacks coached by Leach. Yep. Um, Man, something else. Anyway, uh, Mike Leach gone at the age of 61 years young. Pelicans will try to make it eight straight wins as they head to Salt Lake City uh, for a Tuesday-Thursday matchup with the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz started out the season uh, on fire. Now they've kind of settled in a little bit, and they're better off where they are. Zion Williamson named the Western Conference Player of the Week um, because of his action in wins over Detroit and the Phoenix Suns twice. In those three games, Zion averaged 33 points on 70% shooting, 8.3 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal in 37 minutes a night. Just dominating. You know what he's going to do, you know where he's going to go, and you still can't stop him. So, again, the Pels have won seven straight games, all without injured forward Brandon Ingram, who's dealing with a toe contusion. We still don't know when he's going to back to be back. They begin a three-game road trip tonight with the Utah Jazz. So um, we will discuss a bunch of that coming up in the program. Matt McMahon's LSU men's basketball team gets back on the court tonight against North Carolina Central. Um, they're 8-1. and one. They're riding uh, the emotional high of that 20-point come-from-behind win over Wake Forest in Atlanta, where senior transfer K.J. Williams scored a season-high 35 points and was named SEC Player of the Week for his efforts. Um, so a lot of grit, a lot of determination, but the schedule's only going to get better North Carolina Central's five and five on the season. They're coming off a 90 78 loss to Marquette tip off 6 PM this evening. So, um, Stick with that. Uh, After a weekend off, the Saints will get back in action as they get ready to take on the Atlanta Falcons. Um, The Falcons have made a change based on performance, as they said. And uh, Desmond Ritter, the former Cincinnati Bearcat quarterback a year ago who led Cincy to the Final Four, he's now going to start over Marcus Mariota. Um, the Saints are going to stick with Andy Dalton. Um, Cam Jordan and the Saints deny that uh, they faked injuries, which uh, elicited a fine from the NFL. The Saints said they will appeal those fines levied against them, saying they will disprove the allegation that Cam Jordan faked an injury during the team's game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa. The Saints, uh, NFL fined the Saints $350,000 to Dennis Allen, $100,000 to defensive line coach Ryan Nielsen, $50,000 for the incident to Jordan. Uh, so, so the Saints were fined $350,000. Dennis Allen, $100,000. Defensive end Ryan Nielsen, fifty. Cam Jordan, 50. Come on. It, it, once again, the NFL seems to be so anti 
New Orleans Saints, and yet the Saints on the road, a four-point favorite in the ballgame. Bob Rose will join us for the uh, Black and Gold Report uh, later on in the program. So let's go over our guest list once again, just in case I missed anybody. Coming up shortly, John Brady, former LSU basketball coach. You can hear him as the color analyst on the LSU Sports Radio Network broadcast of LSU basketball, which air on 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. John and I will discuss this 8-1 and one team. Uh, what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? As the, the SEC slate is less than two weeks away, and um, LSU's schedule is brutal in the league to get things started. Ali Cassell will join us at around 2.30, and we'll talk about this Pels team who, um, in the latest athletic NBA power rankings, the Pels are the third highest-ranked team in the league. Boston's number one. Milwaukee's number two. The Pels are number three. And the 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 description says everything about the Pelicans is screaming contender right now. They knock opponents on their butt to start the game. They knock them down at the end of the game. Um, this team is entirely dominant, all without Brandon Ingram, who's out with a toe injury. They actually get so much better when Ingram is in the mix. The depth of this team is insane. Despite being young, the Pelicans are handling a lot of these situations with veteran poise. They seem to have an answer for everything thrown their way. Um, that's that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. We haven't heard that a lot at all about this uh this pelicans team so they're really on a roll they've won seven straight they're 18 and eight overall and climbing the chart so we'll go over that with ali cassell matthew bruni will join us uh we'll get the very latest on um what's going on with lsu football you heard in the two-minute drill we mentioned it yesterday about um uh the tigers and the transfer portal uh, no, and, and no surprise, Jure Jenkins declaring for the NFL draft. Derek Davis Jr., who came to LSU as a highly touted safety, played sparingly during his two years at LSU. Even at the end of this year, he was moved to running back to shore up depth there while a couple of guys were out. Uh, he broke a run for 24 yards, so he showed some potential. Brian Kelly said after it, he wished he had moved Davis there sooner, but they, he wouldn't play him again this season so that he could redshirt. Davis enters the portal, and he leaves LSU with three years of eligibility. Uh, congrats to defensive tackle Mecky Wingo for being named to the Associated Press All-American third team. The transfer from Missouri immediate impact at LSU um, even before he became a starter when Mason Smith suffered a season-ending injury in week one Wingo had already turned a lot of heads he won the Iron Tiger award for the best performance during the summer conditioning workouts was a freshman all SEC selection last year at Missouri he's coming back and he is a stud he is a stud. So there's some of your headlines for the day. Uh, NBA fans, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting the NBA this holiday season. Right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving Louisiana NBA fans a special gift. For a limited time, you can get a no-sweat bet on every New Orleans Pelicans game this December. Check this out. This month. 
Everyone can earn a no-sweat bet with DraftKings Sportsbook. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in under the Promos tab, place an eligible bet of your choice on an Orleans game. If it doesn't hit, you'll get your money back in a free bet. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. New customers can sign up with promo code 1037GAME and get a no-sweat bet on every New Orleans Pelicans game this December. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and opt in today to receive this limited-time offer. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana, select parishes only, max reward limit supply, one free bet issued based on the amount of initial losing bet. Eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. We'll take our first time out of the day. John Brady kicks things off. Tigers taking on North Carolina Central tonight. We'll talk some hoops LSU style when we return to the Jordy Helpert Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We are back on this uh, Tuesday, December 13th, 12 days before old St. Nick comes to town. I hope everybody's having a fun, fun holiday season. Um, The final exams are over at LSU, so there's no more schoolwork. There's lots of basketball being done, and the Tigers get back on the court tonight um, against North Carolina Central. On the call of the game as the color analysts on the LSU Sports Radio Network that you can hear right here on 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. The former LSU Tiger coach, the color analyst, the SEC legend, just a good all-around dude, my friend, Mr. John Brady. Coach John Brady, how are you, sir? Happy holidays. Man, happy holidays to you. Merry Christmas, and thanks for the intro. Can you can you save me? A, can you get me a table at Galatoire's at lunchtime one of these days? I know you got the pull. Hey, anytime, man, anytime. I'll say last week, last Friday. Oh, that's great. Nothing like lunch at Galatoire's right there in the, in the heart of the city. Absolutely love it. So, um, you know, basketball inside and out. This team is 8-1. and one. Is this a good basketball team? Yeah, I think they're a good basketball team. They're getting better. And I think there was no better way to demonstrate their improvement than what they did against Wake Forest the other day. Yeah. And, you know, when you're down 20, I don't care if it's against who it's against, Wake Forest right. or anybody else. Yeah. To be able to come from 20 down and and win the game, you know, at the end, uh, you know, speaks speaks well of the team and what's flowing through it. It's got to have some toughness and it's got to have some character to be able to do that. No question. Um, it tells me two things. One, they, they got better defensively. And two, um, you got to knock down shots. And I think they started to do that. So you put those two together and that's how you get back in games. Yeah, no, no doubt. Jordy, he, they, the last seven minutes of the first half, uh, you know, you got to give, you know, Coach McMahon credit. He substituted enough to find a collection of players that were willing to defend. And the okay. last seven, eight minutes of the first half, they defended well. They stopped App- Appleby, who had had 14 or 15 points to that, that, that point in the game. He didn't score the rest of the half. 
got able to cut it to nine, and then starting the second half, LSU just really outplayed them. And, and Wake Forest a little bit lost their, their composure uh, yep. down the stretch, and, and I think it was due to, to LSU's the, the way they defended them. And, again, you know, Coach McMahon substituted enough to find a collection of players that were willing to defend first, and then you can't say enough about the game that K.J. Williams had. I mean, <laughs> seven for nine or so from the three. He looked like Jordy Hultler shooting three-pointers. Well, well, look. Um, <laughs> thank you for that. I appreciate that. Look, he look, he's not gonna. Uh, I, I things always balance out. He's not gonna shoot like that all the time. No. But Adam Miller's not gonna shoot that poorly all the time. So, so the two they will the water level always rises to a certain level. And I, but I think you can count on the two of those as your offensive production. But you need more than two. Is there a third go-to guy on this team? Well, you know, I was looking for that, and that's what I've been talking about. Who's the third consistent score? But it may just be by committee. It, okay. it, it could lend itself to two or three players uh, taking up that slack. And uh, that happened the other day against Wake Forest. You know, Cam, Cam came off the bench and had a good game. Fountain didn't start. He came off the bench and had a good game. And I wouldn't be surprised. If maybe there was a, a a starting lineup change tonight with maybe Bawani sitting and, and and maybe Fountain starting and Cam starting okay. in the place of of someone and and I think I think McMahon is going uh, tinker with the lineup tonight and uh, we'll just wait and see if that happens okay. based on how they played the last couple of games in particular against Wake Forest. Look, they've got, got got about two and a half weeks before uh, this thing starts to get really really. Serious, and I've watched some teams in this SEC. Man, Alabama looks good. Kentucky's always going to be good. Tennessee's good. Arkansas. I mean, it, it's a loaded conference. What What does this LSU basketball team do well, and what do they need to get a lot better at as the league is about to come upon them? Well, well I think the overlying word to what this team needs to do is play well on both ends on a consistent basis. I think they've had moments – on the defensive end where they're really, really good. I think they've had some moments offensively where they're really, really good, but then they have lulls on both ends of the floor during certain parts of the game. And I think I think the big word for this team is uh, uh, longer periods of play, of quality play uh, in a consistent way and try to put together a – maybe if it's not a 40-minute game, put together a 35-minute game and not have any lulls of play on either end of the floor. I know what this team needs. This team needs a stroll mile swift. That's what they need, man. That that <laughs> rim protector that, that that can run that makes every coach look good. Well, we we don't we don't have a really rim protector. I mean, we have uh, we we have good players around the basket, but mm-hmm. the strength of this team to this point, Jordy, has really been our three point shooting, which I was a wow. little been a little surprised at. I, yeah. I didn't think it was going to be that way. But uh, our three-point field goal stat is quite good. Yeah. I don't know if that's sustainable or not, but certainly uh, that's been a strength of this team. The most consistent thing in this team so far after nine games has been our ability to shoot it from the line. Yeah. Huh. Uh, John Brady with us. He'll be on the call of the game tonight. Starts at uh, 6 o'clock, be over by 8. John will have a, a dinner table somewhere in town to to celebrate what we hope is another win. Um 
it seems to me that Coach McMahon is kind of a throwback coach. Boy, he runs some – you better be able to play some defense if you're going to play against LSU man-to-man because they set all kind of screens on the ball, off the ball. There's a lot of back cuts. You know what I mean? It looks a little old school to me. Yeah, they're one of the few teams now that have screening off the ball. You know, most teams today spread the floor, ball screen, and play off the ball screen and let the players yeah. – really decide what they they want to do offensively and the type of shot they want to take. I think Coach McMahon's more into, I, I call it structure with freedom, and, and I think right. he, he, he does some of that. And They do move off the ball. They screen off the ball. They'll back cut if necessary. They do a lot of things offensively, and I think they're starting to get it now. And, and we'll see if the, if the improvement and consistency they played with against Wake Forest can carry over into tonight's game against the team everybody assumes LSU ought to be. True. Now they they um, you know they lost to Virginia, um, who's one of the best teams in the country ranked right now. They lost to Marquette, who's always got a good basketball school, basketball tradition. So you can't take anybody for granted uh, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but the Wake Forest win in the manner in which they did it. Um, had to be their best win of the year. But is this schedule getting this team ready for what? I mean, they've got murderers roll when that league starts, man. I mean, they've got a stretch of games against all teams that are ranked in the top 25. Well, you're right about that. And I think, I think we've played Kansas State, who's a good team in the Big, big, big 12, but not a great team. Uh, we've played Wake Forest. It's a middle of the pack our show yeah. in the ACC, and we've got two or three games coming up that we could win. So, you know, we could go into the Kentucky game with one loss. Now, whether that is false confidence or not, I don't know. But we'll see after the first five or six games, you know, just how well this schedule did prepare us. But I think what this schedule has done is given Coach McMahon some credibility with his players okay. in terms of winning games and showing them That's that things point. will work. Uh, you're just going to have to execute them better uh, when you hit that SEC. Uh, that's really, that's a great point and a very important point because, man, again, we've talked about it before. I, I've never seen a coach have to do what he had to do just to get a team on the court, much less a team that's now 8-1. and one. So th- that's amazing. And to win like they did in Atlanta against Wake is pretty darn good. All right, let's see if we can get to 9-1 and one against uh, uh, NC Central, then I think, what, it's Winthrop? Winthrop's always a pretty good team, right? They're, they're one of those yeah. good mid-majors. Yeah, Winthrop will be a solid mid-major program. They'll be well-coached. And, you know, we, we, we struggled with a couple of those teams early uh, yeah. in Baton Rouge, uh, well-coached mid-major teams. And we'll see how, how that plays out on Friday. But I think I think LSU should get past this game. I don't know if, if, if um, UNC Central has enough offensive weapons to right. score it. Right. Uh, but I, and I think LSU is better, and it, it, I, I would I would be surprised if LSU doesn't come out and play well tonight, based on what they did against Wake Forest. I'd be yeah. shocked if we come out flat. I think we'll come out ready to play. As you said in your opening, exams are over. It's basketball now. That's all they need to concentrate on, and hopefully nice. we'll see that show up in the game tonight. That was always a nice feeling. I remember that quite well. Oh. Um, John Brady. <laughs> Always great. I'm calling you, man. I'm getting tables, man. I, I need to. I need to. It's not what you know. It's who you know. I'm glad I know you. 
Happy holidays, my friend. <laughs> Thanks, Jordy. Appreciate you. All right. Hey, buddy. You're the best. John Brady, uh, LSU versus North Carolina Central tonight, 6 o'clock tip. Uh, with that in mind, let's see. Um, the biggest names in today's music are all over Gulf Shores, Alabama in 2023. Hangout Fest returns. Boy, doesn't that sound good? May 19th through the 21st. Going to be sunny. Going to be warm. Going to have the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Calvin Harris, Paramore, Lena X, and more. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has VIP passes to Hangfest. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. VIP gives you access to exclusive viewing areas, stage side pools, hot tubs, and gourmet food. Oh, man. Hangout Fest is a beach vacation like no other. Find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. From the college ranks to the NBA, Ali Cassell talking Pels and the Utah Jazz. They don't have Carl Malone and John Stockton anymore. Um, Pels are a much better team. We'll talk about that when we return here to the Jordy Helper Show. Jordy Holtberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your Just let it shine the hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Tonight, 8 p.m. at Vivint Arena, the New Orleans Pelicans will try and make it eight straight wins as they take on the Utah Jazz. The Jazz beat the Pels in overtime when these two played in October. The team split their four-game series last season. Let's talk some NBA hoops with the man, with the plan. Ali Cassell from At The Bird writes, boy, it's a fun time to be a Pelicans fan. Ali, happy holidays, buddy. How you doing? Oh, happy holidays to you, too. Yeah, I mean, the Pelicans, we're almost entering uncharted territory here for a regular season. Yeah. When's the last time the Pelicans have been favored on the road? That never happens, but they sure are tonight. Right, and that's what elite teams, one of the best teams in the league, that's kind of how they get recognized, right? So you're favored mm-hmm. regardless of how, and we know how hard it is to play in Utah, just like Denver, right, with the elevation yeah. and the crowd, yeah. their home crowds. I'll tell you it's what, the Pelicans, they're playing as well as anybody in the league right now. Yeah, I'm with you. What's the, what is the prognosis on Brandon Ingram? Brandon's going to play, from what I was told, for sure on this road trip. So, hey, we're either going to see him on Thursday or on Saturday in Phoenix. Okay. Man, so two games, Tuesday, Thursday, against the Utah Jazz in Utah, much like the Phoenix series in New Orleans. And then from there, they'll go back to play play Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Those two teams <laughs> know each other as well as anything. Um, in their last game, 115-110 uh, to 110 loss to the Denver Nuggets, uh, Utah was without Laurie Markkinen, Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, and Colin Sexton. I'm told that all will return except Sexton tonight so the Pels will get the best of the Jazz they will right because they've been having some players miss several games right Markinen I think missed more than one Uh, I think the last three maybe they really miss Mike Conley he has missed 10 of their last 11 and I think that directly corresponds to their fall in the standings 
I don't know if anybody remembers, but they started the season 10-3, and three, including yeah. the win over the Pelicans. But since that time, Jordy, they've lost 11 of 16, so they're headed the wrong way. I think yeah. if the Pelicans just, just play um, well enough defensively, they're going to win this game easily because right now Utah can't guard anybody. Next to the Spurs, they've got the worst defense in the league after you know that good start by them. So you're right for the picking. I bet you Zion might even get 40 tonight for the first time in his career. Wow. Um, and Zion's one of those guys where it's like that wide receiver. I, I remember, well, anyway, it's like a wide receiver. You know that's who's going to, to have the ball thrown to him. The defense knows it. The fans mm-hmm. in the stands know it. And he still catches every pass. Everybody knows what Zion's going to do. He's going to survey the field. He's going to get to the rim. Everybody knows it. The defense knows it. They can't stop him. Uh, it's just it's just remarkable um, how how much better he is now than he was when the season started. And throughout his career, albeit through suffering through many injuries, when he was on the court, he put up unbelievable numbers. But his all-around game is off the charts now. Yeah, Jordan, he's easily playing the best basketball of his career in the NBA. This is the guy we saw at Duke. And he's only 106 games into his career. And you're right. When this season started, he didn't have really anything going for him too much. right? He didn't have that touch near the rim. But that's the first thing that came back. Then he started being a bigger playmaker. So Point Zion really started showing his head. And now of late, over this last seven-game stretch where they've won all seven games, the defense has been shining, Jordy. He's getting steals, blocks. He's making an impact anywhere and everywhere. And that, to me, screams MVP. So I'm happy that the crowds are cheering for MVP, and I'm glad to hear national media now finally starting to recognize him for, for what he's done of late and the Pelicans. When your best player plays defense, that that's great. And when you have the balance mm-hmm. like this team has, they're fifth in the league in offensive efficiency. They're third in defensive efficiency. They're second in the NBA with just under nine steals a game. That's the winning formula. We've never seen they this have before. All the, yeah, Georgia, they have all the hallmarks of an elite team, not just a good team, an elite team. Offensively, I was just looking at this. Only four times this season have they failed 110 points or more. Only four times. Yeah. In the 82 games, 40 times. Defensively, they are stopping people left and right because they have such great defenders, right? It's not just Jose Alvarado. It's not just Herb Jones who has missed a ton of games. Trey Murphy's doing some stuff. But more importantly, it's it's Najee Marshall and Dyson Daniels and Larry Nance. So suddenly you've got all these potent offensive scores, which you knew the Pelicans were going to enter the season. We all thought they were going to score points. But it's defensively surrounding those guys with defense. And now when you, like you said, the best players playing defense, they've been an unstoppable force. And we saw it against the Suns. Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights. I, I, I know Herb Jones was a starter. He got hurt. Uh, but I don't know how you take Trey Murphy out of the lineup. Um, I, I just he scores. He does so many things. I know. I know Herb does things on the defensive end. But in this league, man, you better have scores. I, I don't know if Herb gets his job back. On a lot of teams, I think Trey Murphy would keep his starting position. But once Brandon's back, I think Herb has to start. And here's the reason why: the Pelicans pride themselves on being able to throw Herb on the opponent's best player. And that takes a toll when you can all of a sudden, whether it's a Zach Levine on the Bulls or or Devin Booker on the Suns, when you suddenly put your best defender constantly on him throughout an entire game, that wears them out. Usually by fourth quarter, their legs start waning a little bit. So I think if you were to bring Herb off the bench, that would nullify that. Suddenly you've got got a bench full of great defenders, but 
you know, those opening eight minutes or whatever you want to call it, they've got free reign, the Devin Bookers of the world, the LeBron Jameses. Yeah. So I think just because of the composition, like I said, yeah. once B.I.'s back, you've got B.I.C.J., the shooters, you've got Zion destroying defenses every which way, and Jonas down low, you've got to have Herb out there. It's a great point. That's why I rely on Ali Cassell um, to do what he does. I'm just, if you had to give an MVP award right now, not not to the starters, but the players coming off the banks. This is my, I would say, the deepest club, the most talented bench in the league. And they've all had, Jose's had his moment. Najee Marshall's had his moments. Larry Nance has had his Who's the, who, who's the MVP of the bench? For me, they're all deserving, especially after certain games, but it's got to be yeah. Larry. I'm and with you. game today, Larry, is so vital in that he provides you all those small ball uh, characteristics. He stretch the floor, can rebound. He's a great roller. He's the Pelicans' best roller in uh, pick and rolls or just yeah. cuts to the rim. And then defensively, he can switch on to anybody. I mean, yeah. like I said, against these Suns, we had a stellar defensive showing, and Larry was at the heart of it. Because Chris Paul, if you remember back to last year's playoffs, just completely picked the Pels apart in, in the mm-hmm. pick and rolls. Well, mm-hmm. Larry's healthier now. And you saw what he can do. He stymied you know, just about every Suns pick and roll. So that's what he gives you. He gives you the ability to just impact you everywhere. But more, most importantly, he's that vocal leader as well, right? So. Yeah. It's got to be Larry. I feel like if they didn't have him, they'd probably be about four, maybe five, I don't know, wins less in the record. I think he's made wow. that big of a difference, honestly. Wow. I'm with you. I think he is. Um, and it's amazing, you know, uh, w- when he came here in that midseason trade, um, it mm-hmm. just took him a while to to kind of acclimate himself, get comfortable. But now that he is, he looks like a, he looks like he's been re- reborn, rejuvenated, renewed. He is because, Jordy, if you look at his career, he's only played on one really special team before, and that was just a half a season with LeBron James in Cleveland after he left the Lakers in a trade. Everything else has been kind of a losing you know, proposition for the guy. And on yeah. top of that, he hasn't felt the love because he's played for eight different coaches, I think in eight years. So suddenly he's got stability. Suddenly he's completely healthy because he has dealt with some nagging injuries on and off in his career. So it's all come together for him. And I'll tell you what. People need to stop referring to that to that trade last year as the C.J. McCollum trade. It's got to be the McCollum-Nance trade because those I'm two guys you. have been absolutely vital in this, you know, what the Pels are doing this year. I, I say this, and I say this not in jest, but um, we lost a former New Orleans coach in Paul yeah. Silas. Uh, Paul spent his hell on earth coaching the Hornets because he had to deal with Baron Davis and Jamal Mashburn and those egos. <laughs> I don't know how he did it, but I was a part of it. And man, it was crazy, but not a nicer man. Um, people don't realize what a great player he was, particularly in college at Creighton, where he averaged over 20 rebounds a game for three consecutive seasons. And then he won three NBA titles, two with the Celtics, one with the Seattle Supersonics. Paul was a great guy. I miss him. Yeah, without a doubt, because I remember that opening uh, season after the team moved from Charlotte to New Orleans because I had just beaten the team on my move to New Orleans by a month. So I watched the NBA religiously back then, too. Of course, Paul was was that coach. And they were were a fun team. I mean, they won, what was it, about 45, 47 games that year. Yeah. Uh, Got to the playoffs. So I thought that was a great start for, for, for the franchise. 
And Paul, honestly, was as big a part as anything because he had to manage a lot of those personalities, like you said. And I don't think there could have been a more gentle giant. I I talked to him only just a few times, but I've talked to people, and I know, Jordy, you know him better than most, how great he was, um, both in and out of the locker room, in and out of the public's eye. And, yeah, he's going to be sorely missed. It's sad that we lost him at age 79. Yeah, just a very uh, gentle giant, like you said, was, was very apropos. Just a nice, nice kind man but boy when he looked at you he gave you that look i'm like okay okay i got you um let's talk about utah they're 15 and 14 as you mentioned they started off great 10 and 3 then they've lost um you know 11 of their last 16 to get to 15 and 14 a lot of people thought they would be in tank mode after they lost their rim protector and rudy gobert and donovan mitchell's now at cleveland but it's not a bad club jordan clarkson certainly is a weapon um what else does uh, utah present the biggest threat is their three-point shooting Jordy. So even though they've fallen into a tailspin, they're still shooting um, very well from three and shooting a ton of threes. So it's almost close to, I want to say they're shooting 43 the game and about 37%. That's been the Pelicans. I, I, I feel like Achilles heel when you run into a team that shoots the three ball well, because they give up a lot of open threes to opponents. Mm-hmm. That's where, you know, they can get hurt. And like I said, Utah, they're going to be launching Malik Beasley, Clarkson, you name it. All of them can shoot it. Even Markman. Yeah. So they've got to get out to those shooters. But other than that, it's just a strong team. And I'll tell you what, they're not tanking. From what I heard, they're active no. in the trade market. They want to add to that team, not, you know, give sell away some of these good pieces. So they're going to be a staunch um, opposition for this Pelts team. Yeah, they, they can only tank so much because nobody's going to surpass the Houston Rockets and the San Antonio <laughs> Spurs. Uh, nobody's going to pass no, them up because they no are way. in full tank mode do you believe that with what zion's doing we saw a little bit from phoenix um and it much to their chagrin it really didn't work but don't you see more teams trying to to zone up against the pels yeah and they've been doing it and i'll tell you what in the very first game of his career came against the spurs you know what coach pop did he did that exact thing He, he kind of doubled Zion almost everywhere. They played boxes okay. and elbows. He, he saw no one-on-one where he could just get around his man and get to the rim. So he's been dealing with it ever since he entered the league. And I'll tell you what, nobody can figure it out because now he's catching the ball on the move. Now he's reading defenses. So he's looking to yeah. see where he can find that spot to catch it or drive and find the seam in the defense and make a play for himself or somebody else. I think he's just too good for just a regular double team anymore. That's why yeah. we saw, right, Monty Williams threw DeAndre Ayton out there trying to use some size with mobility. And I'll tell you All what, right. DeAndre did a decent job, but look, Zion still got 35 points and eight and fouled out. So I don't know what the league's going to do. Yeah, I don't know. And how about you? You mentioned his first game in the league against uh, San Antonio. I remember it so vividly because he knocked mm-hmm. down four threes, and I don't think we saw him take another three the rest of the year. But in the last game, he knocked down two of them. That's a great yes, sign. I'm glad he is, right? Because, look, you have to keep defenses honest a little bit, and especially in the playoffs. And that's what CJ told us after the game. He wants the big fella to shoot because of that, and he thinks Zion's stroke looks good. And I'll tell you what, I don't think he's wrong. So when Zion's got a wide-open shot, shoot the ball. You know, it's just going to add more to his confidence. And when he's got that in his repertoire, boy, it's really going to be game over for the rest of the league. Yeah, um, uh, Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights. You mentioned CJ McCollum. Welcome back to the league, CJ. Looks like he's healthy again, got his legs under him. He's starting to knock down shots, finally. 
Yeah, the Pelicans really need that because, let's face it, once B.I.'s back, I think that both Ingram and Zion are going to have the vast majority of the possessions. So C.J. is going to have to turn himself into a secondary playmaker, but more so spot-up shooter. Make yeah. defenses pay for if they are going to double one of our two superstars, right? And I'll tell you what, C.J. making those – he had a lot of big shots against the Suns in Sunday's game. If he can continue to do that, boy, I don't know how you're going to stop this team. I'm yeah. telling you, Jordan, I, don't, I can't name a better top tandem, a scoring tandem – um, in the league outside of the Pelts big three. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, do we have a uh, do we have a rival now? Because uh, I've never yes. seen the Pels with a with a rival, but it sure seems like the Pels and the Suns got something going on here. I like it. I think they do. I mean, right in the years past, kind of was a rivalry with the Spurs certain years. They wanted to make one, but they what the Spurs always got the last laugh, it seemed like. <laughs> That's right. And then recently, more recently, the Grizzlies. I think there's a yeah. lot of fun between those two teams. I mean, you consider John Morant and Zion from the same draft class. Both are super gritty, tough-playing, hard-nosed playing teams. Yeah. But, yeah, there's something special with the Suns. They knock the Pels out of the playoffs. They still try and rub it in our noses by, you know, being dirty. Let's face it, dirty tactics within games, calling the Pelicans sore losers by, you know, Zion throwing that down a dunk in the final seconds. Well, guess what? Chris Paul was still shooting the ball, and he didn't need to be shooting in the game that was already decided. So, yeah, there's definitely something grown, and it's going to be a shame that the last matchup, regular matchup of the season, is going to just be days away, and we won't, we won't see them unless we meet That's them in okay. the playoffs, Let, right? Let's go see them in the playoffs, and uh, let's re, re, uh, reinvigorate this thing. Ali Cassell will both be glued to the tube watching this one. Can't wait. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough matchup. Utah, that building, it's always tough to play there. One of the most um, rabid mm-hmm. fan bases, and they're right there on top of you. Um, so let's see how the Pels do. I'd love nothing better than to get a win there. Uh, so we'll be watching it. Thank you, Ali, as always. You're the best. Absolutely, Jordy. You take care. All right, buddy. Take care. Ali Cassell at The Bird Rights. All right. Um, the station that just keeps giving and giving and giving is giving some more. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to, hook you up, wants to hook you up with tickets to a special sneak peek of the new Whitney Houston biopic, I Want to Dance with Somebody, and I Talk for a Living. Uh, that's right. You can see it before anyone else by simply texting Whitney to 68683. That's Whitney to 68683 to score a pair of tickets. It's for a sneak peek preview December 20th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. It's the I Want to Dance with Somebody sneak preview brought to you by A. Bryan's Jewelers and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Uh, back to wrap up our number one here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. The game wants to stuff your stocking with a $500 Visa gift card. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes presented by Armentor Jewelers. Simply enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $500 Visa gift card. It's that easy. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes powered by Armentor Jewelers. 
and the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let's get you an update on the World Cup. Argentina has scored again. They're going to cruise into the finals. Argentina 3, Croatia zip. Uh, Messi and Alvarez have given Argentina control in the semifinal, uh, and they will await the winner of who's in it? France and um, France and who else? France and Morocco. France and Morocco that will play tomorrow. So um, Argentina, Messi, his fifth try at the World Cup. And uh, he is in the finals. I mean, he is. It's like the ball is on a string on his foot. How he can control it, running as fast as he does, as small as he is, he just kind of walks around, walks around, and then bam, he's gone. And um, that ball is just, it's, it's amazing. I love watching greatness. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I don't know much about hockey, but how those big behemoths can can do what they do on a thin blade of steel on ice with people hanging on them. And I don't know how they do it. Don't know how I just respect greatness at any level on any sport. It is fascinating. And I am I mean, I can't watch soccer all year long. I can't. But I can watch this World Cup because these dudes are incredible incredible oh messi and argentina heading to the finals they'll await the winner tomorrow of france and morocco wow i think it's going to be france versus uh argentina and i think it's argentina's time all right our number one's in the books coming up our number two another lsu offensive lineman has opted for the transfer portal we'll talk about that and more with matthew bruni of um on 3.com, and then Bob Rose of the Saints News Network will talk all things NFL, including the Saints' upcoming matchup with their dreaded rival, the Atlanta Falcons. It's all coming your way. Hour number two of the Jordan Helper Show here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, my main man, James Mesh, sitting in the producer's chair in the game studios on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world. And who knows where else? 1037thegame.com, uh, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you want to put a face to the voice, we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Argentina advances to their sixth World Cup final as they beat Croatia today, three zip. Well, they'll await the winner of tomorrow's matchup between France and Morocco. The finals of the FIFA World Cup are on Sunday. Sunday. Uh, 
Uh, LSU basketball back in action tonight in Peach Palace against North Carolina Central. Ah, ho-hum. The New Orleans Pelicans try to make it eight straight as they're on the road tonight for the first of two against the Utah Jazz. Let's talk a little LSU stuff and LSU football uh, as the Tigers are prepping for Purdue. You saw that they've hired a new head coach. Uh, The old head coach's brother is going to be the interim head coach as the Tigers and the Boilermakers will head to Orlando for the Citrus Bowl. Matthew Bruni, Bengal Tiger on 3.com to talk about the latest, including, hello, Matthew, uh, a new offensive lineman entered the portal. Buddy, how are you? Hey there, I'm doing well. Um, you know, we're about a week into the portal or so, uh, the portal um, stretch, and so hasn't gotten too crazy yet. Uh, Brian Kelly kind of told us going into it it wasn't going to be some sort of mass, you know, whether it's mass exodus or mass, you know, bringing in a bunch of players. He said it would right. be patient, and that's what they've done so far. Uh, the latest to enter, reserve offensive tackle, Marcus Doomerville. So I don't know what – is that 11 or 12 kids that have entered the uh, – the 12 players have now entered the portal since the window opened December 5th. Um, I don't blame Marcus Doomerville. I don't play, blame any of the players. Uh, but compared to other schools in the conference, LSU still way low on the totem pole when it comes to players opting out. Yeah, um, as far as entering the portal goes, it's right. definitely been a lot slower than places like A&M and even Alabama. Uh, you go down the list of, of teams. And, I mean, we, we kind of expected that going into this week. Uh, a lot of fans and I think a lot of people, whether it's on our, on our boards or just across the, the state, have, were kind of waiting that for that first day of December 5th and being like, okay, this is the day they're going to – lose a bunch of people they're going to throw out a bunch of offers but as we've seen over the past eight days it's been a very very slow uh, process uh, for the coaching staff they did their exit interviews the first few days Um, they're still preparing for a bowl game Um, they've been out recruiting on the 2023 class which i think is much higher priority right now than the transfer portal is closing out the 2023 class strong and with all that being the case uh, it's been very minimal movement um, outside of guys, like you said, that are pretty much reserved for the most part outside of Jack Besh. I'm with you. Um, LSU had their uh, awards banquet uh, just the other day, uh, Sunday, I believe it was. Uh, no surprise that Jaden Daniels was the uh, most valuable player uh for this club uh and it keeps bringing up the subject we haven't heard anything is it is it good news for lsu that we haven't heard anything about his plans and it keeps stretching out or is that bad news for lsu i would think it is good news because if obviously i think if his heart was set on the nfl he would have uh came out announced it by now you know got an agent started the pre-draft process um with him still waiting, waiting, you get the sense that he um, is more likely to come back at this point than, uh, than, than leave. But with that being the case also, we thought it would be a domino effect of if he came back, Nussmeyer or Howard would enter the portal, and they haven't done anything either. So you have all three quarterbacks just kind of waiting and kind mm-hmm. of like that scene in the office where they're just all pointing the handguns at each other waiting for someone to do something, and nobody's nobody's done anything yet. Jamie Howard's not going anywhere. The only player in doubt, I think, has to be Garrett Nussmeyer, depending upon what um, 
Daniels does, don't you think? Yeah, no, I, I agree for sure. Um, I, I would think Howard would be comfortable, um, you know, sitting another year just because, you know, he came in here as a freshman. Uh, right. You know, obviously need, needed work based off of what I saw and what uh, Coach Kelly and Coach Sloan were saying. So, And he has made strides. He's obviously talented. We all knew that coming in. But I don't think it was anybody's surprise that he redshirted and he was third quarterback on the depth chart here. Now, if one of Daniels or Nuss Myers um, isn't with the program in two months, then boom, you slide right up and you're the second string as a retro freshman. I mean, that's about as good as you could ask for going into year two uh, at a program like LSU. Yeah, uh, Matthew Bruni, um, kind enough to join us. I, I, I can't emphasize enough, I think, the job um, – of a guy that nobody even considered before the season started, but the role that Josh Williams played on this offense at the running back position, I, I, I was just amazed. He basically came from nowhere and became everything in the run game. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, I mean, again, before the season, like you said, it was all, all right, how good is Noah Kane coming from Penn state? How good is Armani Goodwin? Uh, going into year two, how good is John Emery after, you know, the academic suspension last year? And then, you know, and even Corey kind of was there during the spring and ends up entering the transfer portal uh, and going to Cincinnati. So then eventually you look at Josh Williams getting snaps against Florida State and we're like, okay, I mean, we kind of understand it, but at the same time you have all these options here. It's like, why is Josh Williams on the field? And by the end of the season, we're over here saying he's probably their best running back. He's at, at the very least, he's their most reliable running back, and that's you know the best ability is availability. So, right, right. He, um, from pass protection to um, to just running the ball between the tackles, I think he's was the best back in that regard. Um, he is Matthew Bruni, um, and he covers LSU like nobody else. I, another player that I thought was um, that was so so invaluable, uh, much to the point that he was the only LSU player on the AP All-American team, and that being a third-teamer. But the impact that defensive tackle Mecky Wingo made as a transfer from Missouri, um, I know Mason Smith went down. He wasn't a starter at the time, but I, I don't know how you keep him out of the lineup. Man, his he was spectacular. Yes, he was. Um, and even in, in a year where – we expected Mason Smith and Jaqueline Roy to be the you know the one-two punch that will you know be have NFL draft scouts you know drooling. It's uh, Wingo that leaves the year as the best interior defensive lineman. Yeah, I mean obviously that's with Mason Smith going down. But once Mason Smith went down, we were like, okay, they don't have depth at defensive tackle. You know they have Wingo and Roy, but how are this, how is this going to work? And Roy had his ups and downs this year, but Wingo was. Kind of like Josh Williams, just stepped in, was incredibly consistent, uh, did a, a lot better against the run than I think even he expected. He said that was an aspect of his game he's been working on, and then uh, he was able to get after the quarterback, and that was a big deal for this team, uh, like I said, because of Roy's kind of up-and-down season. So, yeah, Wingo definitely deserves it. Uh, I was happy to see him. He was one of the guys that was always available for media availability, so we talked to him a ton this year, and he was a uh, he had a great year on the inside, and so I'm excited to see him uh, next year as well. 
what is LSU looking for out of the portal this year? And I know it's not going to be as um, intense as it was a year ago, I believe. I may be wrong. I don't think it's going to be nearly as intense. But uh, what are they they looking for, do you think? I think corner is a spot of need uh, for those uh, who maybe aren't familiar with the depth chart. I mean, obviously you lose Jarek Bernard Converse, so you lose Makai Gardner, and – so you enter, um, and you also lose Colby Richardson from McNeese. Uh, and so you enter this offseason being like, all right, well, we have seven banks. We have two freshmen, and that's pretty much it. And so with that being the case, I think they desperately need corners. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a corner they have in the 2023 class in Dalen, California, that uh, won't, won't uh, probably won't sign until February, and they're going to have to work really hard to keep them. So – all that's in the air. I think they have to go get two corners, kind of like the situation they were in last year where they had to go get Garner and Bernard Converse, and that worked out great for them. Obviously, it's not the situation you want to be in, but I think corner is priority number one uh, for this okay. team. Makes perfect sense. Uh, what are you hearing on the recruiting front? How, I mean, LSU's in a good position right now, but you never know until you close the deal and the recruiting cycle uh, period uh, signing day starts on the 21st. So they got about eight days until uh, that happens. So what are you hearing along those lines? Yeah, they. I'm expecting a sizable signing class uh, on December 21st and Obviously, that's different from last year where we were going through a uh, coaching change, and Brian Kelly, I think, was like two weeks on the job at the early signing day point last year. So you now you have this staff with almost a full year uh, to recruit, and I think they've done a great job. They're currently sixth in the on-three consensus rankings, and that's after losing two defensive line commits for, for different reasons. So even with those two gone, you have 23 commits um, off the top of my head. Of those 23, I would expect as many as 20 being uh, signed uh, next week, and I think that would be a huge number. That would be great, but they've been really pushing, and as, as a lot of teams do across the country, is obviously coaches want to know who's in and who's out. So the early signing day, to me, is basically like the actual signing day, and then the February signing day is you know, kind of whoever's left. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a big day uh, on December 21st, and – uh, I think I expect a lot of these guys that are committed right now to sign. Yeah. I'd be surprised if they didn't get over, you know, above over 20 signatures on day one. I'd be surprised. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that would definitely be uh, that that would definitely be a uh, something to 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 watch for. They have 20 23 right now and we'll see um I mean, they've basically filled every position of need. I mentioned defensive back. They got the quarterback, Ricky Collins, out of Baton Rouge. They got two running backs uh, and have a really good offensive line haul to this point, uh, one of the better ones they've had in, in recent years. Very good. He is Matthew Bruni, uh, Bengal Tiger on 3com uh, It's coming down to the stretch. I, I'm with you. I think it's um, emphasis is on recruiting. Secondary is emphasis on practice. And tertiary is uh, dealing with the portal. But I think recruiting is front row, center stage. Um, I'm going to ask you again this week, like I ask you every week, does he stay or does he go? Jaden Daniels. I think he stays. What do you think? 
Yeah, you asked me this last week. I think I said he stays. I, I think he. I think he stays. I think it's the longer, like I said, the longer it goes without anything. Yeah. I think the more we learn that he's going to stay. Uh, I will just kind of throw out there again. There's going to be four quarterbacks taken in the first round, and that includes Anthony Richardson. Um, a lot of a lot of people have Jaden Daniels as the fifth or sixth best quarterback in this class. I mean, just by doing math. That would mean if there's any team that wants to take a quarterback in the second or third round, they would be looking at Jaden Daniels. So I think that was a very interesting proposition to him that he's weighing and that can it if you can go day two, does that outweigh trying to come back and really, really get your stock up and go day one in twenty twenty, you know, twenty twenty four? I don't know the answer to that, but I, I, yeah. I think he comes back at this point. Only Jaden Daniels knows that answer. All right, um, let's go NIL money. Let's go. Let's make it happen. Because he gives you the best chance to win. Uh, he gives you the best chance to to possibly make a run to the playoffs, in my opinion. I don't think there's any question about that. I agree. I, I went back and I watched the uh, Ole Miss and Alabama game last night. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, he's when he's on, he's on. Obviously, there were inconsistencies this year, but – I mean, there's no denying how good he was for this team this past year. I'm with you. He is Matthew Bruni, BengalTigerOn3.com. Thank you so much, man. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. Uh, We'll find you again down the road. I greatly appreciate your time. Yes, Merry Christmas to you, too. Thanks for having me. Okay, buddy, you're the best. Uh, Matthew Bruni. Um, Looking for some great stocking stuffers for this holiday season? Then look no further than the Game game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our Rewards Club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. But you can only score these great stockings suffers by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com it's free it's simple so go sign up today um we'll take a time out here when we come back the black and gold report bob rose saints news network all things saints nfl when we return to the jordy helpert show on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, the good thing, Bob Rose, is we all had a relaxing Sunday. We didn't have to worry about the Saints. We didn't have to watch some of their ineptitude, some of their self-inflicted wounds. And we all got to relax and enjoy the holiday season. Good afternoon, Mr. Rose. How are you, sir? Good afternoon, Jordy. I am pretty well, I guess. Uh, I'm, th- this weekend, the lack of Saints games left the uh, the collectibles behind me safe from my rage. So that's a good thing, too. <laughs> that is a good thing. Um, okay, let, let's talk about the quarterback position, Saints and the Falcons. Saints are sticking with the status quo with um, uh, Andy Dalton. The Falcons, despite being in the in the chase, they're only one game behind the Bucks. They've decided, well, we're not going to play Marcus Mariota anymore. We're going with the rookie Desmond Ritter um where'd that come from that's probably the most surprising news. I know we're only looking at Tuesday right now but that's probably the most surprising NFL news I've seen of the week so far uh and 
Uh, yeah, look, Mariota is very limited as a passer. We knew that. We knew it when the Falcons brought him in. Uh, yeah, and we knew that it would only be a matter of time, probably, before Desmond Ritter replaced him. But the surprise, like you said, is the timing. Uh, yeah, they're, they're very much in the playoff chase. They need a little bit of help to catch Tampa Bay, but not much. Uh, I think that they just felt, you know, Coach Arthur Smith just felt – that he wanted his passing game to get a boost because the Falcons offense, uh, their, their rushing offense was very, very effective over the first half of the season seems to have hit a little bit of a wall. Uh, yeah. And yeah, especially with Kyle Pitts out and Mariota's limitations as a passer, uh, I guess he he just felt like, yeah, what do I have to lose? Uh, yeah, that tells you that this is a coach that has at least a vote of confidence uh, from ownership that, you know, if they don't make the playoffs this year or kind of tailspin to end the year because they're playing an un unproven rookie, uh, you know, that his job will not be in jeopardy. So, yeah, I, I like the move per se. Uh, but uh, again, it shows that ownership must have confidence in that in that coaching staff in Atlanta. Is Bob Rose of the uh, Saints News Network. All right, so Falcons going with Desmond Ritter. Are you surprised the Saints are still going with Andy Dalton uh, this late in the season? With look, let's face it, playoffs. Are we talking playoffs? Playoffs. <laughs> um, and there's Jameis Winston sitting on the bench. Uh, I don't know what to go because Andy Dalton hadn't been bad. He hadn't been great, yeah. but he hadn't been awful. So what do you do? That's kind of a predicament. It, it is a predicament. And, you know, am I disappointed that Jameis Winston isn't getting an opportunity to play? Yeah. Uh, but am I surprised? Not in the least. Uh, you know, in my opinion, Dennis Allen, even though he won't vocalize it, he made it very, very clear by his actions uh, of keeping Andy Dalton in the starting lineup once Jameis Winston was a healthy go or at least healthy enough to get back into the lineup. Uh, yeah, and the fact that he stuck with Dalton tells us that Jameis Winston just is not his guy, is not his fit, uh, you know, is not his ideal quarterback for whatever kind of offense that he wants to run. Uh, yeah, and like you said, you know, Dalton hasn't been bad. He hasn't been the reason that the Saints have lost games. Uh, he just hasn't been able to take the team to another level. Mm -hmm. Would their five, you know, would their four and nine record be much different with Jameis Winston behind center? I don't know. Uh, you know, Winston brings a different kind of skill set, as you and I have talked about many, many times. Uh, but he's also fairly prone to turnovers. Uh, you know, so maybe the Saints continue to lose nine games, just do so in a different way. Uh, you know, it just it baffles me because if Dennis Allen is going to be the coach here next year, this team has zero. Well, whether or not he's the coach, this team has zero answers at the quarterback position. Now, if he were to be the head coach or thinks he, uh, he has the vote of confidence from ownership, you would think that you would probably see what your 28-year-old former top overall draft choice Heisman Trophy winning quarterback can actually bring to the table. Because yeah. you know, like him or not, a 35-year-old Andy Dalton is not the future. He's not even the immediate future of this right. team. That's so right. you know, the, the logic baffles me. Yeah, it, do it doesn't make much sense to me, but... Again, I don't know. Um, Bob Rose, St. Stu's Network. Our, our good friend, Jeff Duncan, uh, had an article, um, and the headline said, if Sean Payton is going to coach somewhere in 2023, it needs to be the Saints. We addressed this a while back. Mm -hmm. I asked you the question, do you think he would entertain the thought of coming back to a team that he just left? 
have you in thinking about this a little deeper do you think that's even a remote possibility i do think it's a possibility jordy but i also think it's a remote one uh, yeah, I do believe that Sean Payton will be back on the sidelines in 2023. I still don't think it will be with the New Orleans Saints. The top two teams uh, yeah, that I see happening and being in the uh, the favorites at this stage uh, are still the Chargers, uh, yeah, even though they're in the playoff race, and the Cardinals, even though they just lost their quarterback for uh, for probably a calendar year with an ACL right. uh, injury. Uh but at the same time, you know, Sean Payton is very close with the uh, with Mickey Loomis. He's extremely close with Gail Benson. He has ties in the New Orleans area. I mean, the man is a, an icon. You know, he, he should have his statue outside the Superdome someday. Whether or not that'll ha- ever happen is another story. Right. Um, so, yeah, maybe Sean, I, I'm thinking that Sean feels, yeah, he misses the competitive aspect of coaching, but he wants to build his legacy somewhere else, something that his mentor Bill Parcells did so very, very well. Uh, you know, and Parcells is still a legend in the uh, as a New York Giant coach, but we know that he had success elsewhere. Maybe Sean Payton wants that same kind of resume uh, you know, build up because it's one thing to build a successful career, uh, a potential Hall of Fame career with one franchise. If you rebuild two franchises, maybe win a championship with two franchises. You're all of a sudden in you know rarefied. You're you're beyond Hall of Fame at that point. You're in rarefied air. You yeah. know something that only a few coaches in NFL history have done. Two, I believe, uh, in NFL history have done. So I think that Sean Payton is eyeing up that kind of thing. Uh, but at the same, you know, New Orleans needs Sean Payton more than Sean Payton needs New Orleans. I guess is what I'm that's trying. That's to say. a good point. Yeah, that's a, that's a very very good point. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Saints um uh, are going to fight the the league over this uh, fake injury that they said they that Cam. I don't. I didn't. I, Cam Jordan had. I I don't remember the play. Um, I'm sure you do because you study all this. What? Tell me about that play. What? What was it? Uh, yeah, it, it was a play that the Buccaneers had the ball, obviously. Uh, now, the game was still 16 to three in the Saints favor, but it was in the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, the, and the Buccaneers, the Bucs were driving. Uh, you know, and what Cam is being accused of is faking an injury to either a, you know, teams or players do this to either A, stop the clock uh, or B, perhaps curb a little bit of momentum that the right. opposition might have. Right. But you're talking about Cam Jordan here. You could cut off a limb on that man and still have to hide his helmet to keep him from going out in a football game. And the play itself, yeah, Cam went down to one knee, but he got up. He didn't stay down. He got up and left the field under his own power. It was the uh, referee's discretion to stop the clock. Cam went off, went into the injury tent, missed, I believe, two plays, maybe three. And uh, again, you look at players that that fake these injuries, they're back in after a play, and Cam was not. Uh, And uh, as Jordan told reporters, showed reporters, after the game and in the subsequent days, his foot and ankle region was swollen. So that's an injury, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, uh, yeah, the, the NFL obviously has their own prerogative, who, what, where they're going to find and, and in what circumstances. But in this case, I think it's a totally bogus call by the league. 
Um, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. One thing before we go uh, to a break and get more to the NFL. Uh, Mark Ingram reportedly suffered that MCL tear against the Bucks, which was uh, going to likely end his season. So the Saints signed veteran running back David Johnson to the active roster. What does he bring to the table? Does he have any? Does he have any life left in his legs? Uh, we'll see, but in my opinion, Jordy, not very much. Because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, David has been on the Saints practice squad most of the year. And even when Ingram was banged up and you know missed a few games earlier this season, they only activated DJ for one, maybe two games. He's got, he's had two offensive touches this season. Uh, yeah, he was a great back back with the Arizona Cardinals before right. he blew out his knee. He was a good back once he was traded to the Houston Texans. But at this stage, he people like to say, you know, running backs tend to fall off a cliff at 30, 31 years old. Uh, you know, an injury certainly has played a, a factor in, in, in David Johnson's decline, uh, but he fits that mold to a T. Uh, you know, I just, I, I don't see the, the running game is still going to go through Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill and whatever holes the offensive uh, offensive line is able to open. Uh, you know, any snaps that Johnson gets, it might be near the goal line because he's still a physical back with decent mm-hmm. vision. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't see him being a difference maker. All right. Uh, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. We'll take a timeout when we come back. Does he have a new leader? Uh, how much has his top five changed from a week ago to today? We'll get that and talk about the rest of the league. Uh, I notice OBJ is not a Dallas Cowboy, but T.Y. Hey, no, it's, it's always three names. It's not OBJ. It's T.Y.H. is going to be with the <laughs> Cowboys. Uh, Bob Rose, Saints News Network, the Black and Gold Report. Uh, we'll be right back. Jordy Holberg was draining three-pointers with ease way before Steph Curry came on the scene or was even born. Now, back to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 35 minutes after the hour. That's okay. She can talk. It's Christmas time. A very exciting time. I'm sure the Rose family is going to have a ball. I, I saw where you got your Christmas uh, pictures with Santa. That's awesome. Yes, it's a way to go. Um, uh, we continue talking Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Uh, back to the the Dalton-Winston situation. Um, Dalton's not under contract for next season. Jameis is. So, why, again, even if Dalton shows you something, he's gone, and you still got you still got Jameis under contract. You'd have to sign Dalton again, so why not play Jameis? I'm, I have nothing against Andy Dalton. No. I just think this season is a wash. It's over. It's done. See what you got. I, yeah, I agree with you. Now, yeah, the thing about the uh, two-year contract that Winston signed, a lot of that money was tied up in a signing bonus. Uh, yeah, so if they do release Jameis after this year, I think it's only like a $6 billion salary cap hit, uh, yeah, which isn't much. But at the same time, when you're a team that's going to be way over the cap, like the Saints are again this offseason, you know, $6, yeah, $6 million could make a little bit of a difference. Uh, yeah, And Dalton is a guy that I'm sure they feel they could re-sign if they wanted to bring him back as a backup. At this juncture, I don't feel like either player is going to be in a Saints uniform in 2023, though. Okay, speaking of quarterbacks, you mentioned it earlier, last night, Monday Night Football, Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals uh, tore his ACL. Um, boy, that puts a that puts a, a black cloud over this season for the Cardinals, um, and it could impact the futures of 
other players and coaches too. What what do you think is going to be the fallout from this injury? Uh, first of all, if you're a betting man in the Sean Payton sweepstakes, you're looking at what happened to Kyler Murray and realize that he's probably going to miss at least the first maybe month of the 2023 season. All of a sudden, that's not as attractive a job for a you know, for a coach like uh, Payton uh, because I do believe that Cliff's Cliff Kingsbury is on the hot seat at the very least. Uh, And, you know, by the way, speaking of Sean Payton sweepstakes, what if the Chargers make the playoffs? All of a sudden they might not get rid of a coach either. Uh, Yeah, but back to the Cardinals. The Cardinals have some aging star players. Uh, You know, they have a lot of contracts to deal with along the offensive line. They are going to have some salary cap space, but this fallout could be big because even if you're a free agent, an Arizona Cardinal free agent, you know, you're looking at starting the 2023 season with maybe Colt McCoy. Uh, you know, or to you know, bring in a journeyman quarterback a la an Andy Dalton <laughs> or uh, 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 Carson Wentz, somebody like that. Uh, you know, all of a sudden in a jam-packed NFC West, your contending spot isn't you know, isn't looking so great for 2023 either. Well, if you don't have one, I'm telling you, it's, it's bad news. So um, we shall see. All right, last week, your top five in the NFL – Eagles number one, Minnesota number two, Dallas three, Cincinnati four, and the Bills at number five. I think we're going to have a change in things this week. Um, So let's go starting with uh, number five, Bob Rose's fifth best team in the NFL after week 14. I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers, uh, you know, and those injuries are building up on that team. It makes you really worried uh, yeah, about them for a postseason run. But what they did to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, wow. you know, this, this Buccaneers team is not good. We, we know that. Uh, but they, they just don't allow anybody to get anything on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, and Kyle Shanahan's system just allows players to make plays. Uh, Debo Samuel is now banged up. He might miss the rest of the regular season. And you wonder – you wonder how far they're going to go with a rookie seventh round pick. Uh, yeah, but at this juncture, I believe that that defense can keep anybody off the scoreboard. You've got to go San Francisco in your top five. I believe that that it's such a friendly quarterback system that he doesn't ask much and they've got weapons everywhere. Just, just get it out of your hands uh, quickly. I think the Brock Purdy thing's pretty darn good. He, I tell you what, he looks confident. You know, he he yeah. looks like a seasoned professional back there. Uh, you know, you you change you change jersey numbers between him him and Garoppolo, and you really can't tell the difference in their in their style and their level of play. Uh, you know, and you know, for that, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, you give credit to the players, uh, but you got to give credit to that Shanahan system no first. Doubt. And you know, I'm a Bronco fan from way back, so I love the Mike Shanahan system. Yeah. You know, Kyle has kind of taken it into the into the new generation. Uh, but you know, when you can make a system quarterback friendly, you always and with a defense like they have, you always have a chance to win a game. I had no idea he was the last pick in the draft, Mister Irrelevant, Brock Purdy. Way to go from Iowa State! All right, San Francisco number five at number four this week. 
Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm yeah, I'm hesitant with that pick because to me, Kansas City has looked a little bit vulnerable in recent weeks. Uh, yeah, and yeah, they they had an impressive comeback against the Denver Bronco team. Uh, yeah, that frankly is so bad it should only count as half a win. Uh, yeah, but nonetheless, you know, the Chiefs are dominating the AFC West yet again. Uh, you know, it, it, it looks like that they well, they do have a very real shot for a first round bye. Uh, yeah, and going into Kansas City is always a tough place to win in December and January. January. Uh, you know, and we talked about Kyle Shanahan and coaches before. Andy Reid is another guy. He, you, you give him a little bit of space, and he's going to find a way to uh, design a way to beat you. Uh, and you know, Patrick Mahomes is the probable MVP. You just got done saying uh, that teams are in bad shape if they don't have a quarterback. Well, conversely, you're in great shape no matter what your roster holes are if you have a franchise stud. We've got the number one ranked offense. Um, they're about mid mid pack when it comes to defense. Who needs Tyree Kill? Um, they they got a quarterback. They just keep on keeping on. Uh, Kansas City at number four. At number three this week. Ladies and gentlemen, Jordy Haltberg and I have been warning you about it for months, uh, that they'd be moving up the charts, and here they are, the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. Uh, Cincinnati, in my opinion, they're not record-wise there yet, uh, but in my opinion, they are playing the best football of any team in the AFC. They're in a dogfight with Baltimore for the uh, you know, for the AFC North, uh, but they have such an underrated defense, so many playmakers around yet another franchise signal caller, Joe Burrow on offense. Whoa. Uh, you know, I just I love the Bengals. They were my preseason Super Bowl pick for the conference, and I'm definitely on backing off of them now. Yeah, they're one of the best teams when it comes to when your their opponent gets into the red zone. They don't give up many touchdowns. They give up more field goals per drive than any team in the league. But I'd rather give up three than seven. Yep. And this pitch catch combo uh, yeah. of Burrow to Chase is uh, is is amazing only to be superseded by Cousins to J- Justin Jefferson. I mean, I mean, the two LSU wide receivers, go figure. Yeah. Uh, the best <laughs> in the league. The best in the league. Uh, it's amazing. Since he's on a roll, they finally beat the dreaded Cleveland Browns. Finally. Yeah, it's always weird. I, I had no idea that they were that Burrow was winless against the Cleveland Browns, uh, you know, before last week. Uh, you know, it's just it, it's funny how that you know they always say that styles make fights. Uh, you know, the same thing goes for you know, NFL games. You know, Cleveland yeah. just had that style, and Cincinnati didn't have an easy time with the Browns on Sunday either. Uh, you know, but that just it just goes to show you the character of this Bengals team. Uh, you know, and yeah, you know, they have already shown as we saw from last year's playoff run, they are are the type of squad they can beat you on the road too no matter what the environment is all right let's go to number two this week who you got bob uh dallas cowboys uh and i know dallas struggled against the houston texans uh but uh and that's another team you get a win against it should only count as half a victory uh, i just i like the way dallas has been playing uh you know i i hate that blue star i hate jerry jones i hate their tradition uh but they're they're a fun team to watch they get after you defensively they cause all kinds of havoc uh you know and i'm interested to see what dak prescott is going to do when that pressure ramps up uh you know down the stretch and in the playoffs uh but they're putting some fireworks up on offense and if you look at their offense they don't have a lot of household names as far as playmakers go but they're still putting points on the board Dak Prescott, that's the big question. They're always good in the regular season. What happens in the postseason? That And that pressure builds up to an almost insurmountable crescendo. Um, yeah. 
We shall see. Uh, they don't. They don't stretch the field very well. Um, Mm, we'll see. All right. Dallas at number two, which tells me the Buffalo Bills are no longer in the top five. Ain't nobody stopping Philly, are they? Not at this juncture, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I watched that Philly Giant game on Sunday. And, yeah, man, and I've watched a lot of the Eagles this year. Man, that team is so impressive. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Jalen Hurts. I, I just admire Jalen Hurts so much for how he uh, how he remade and redesigned his passing mechanics. We always knew he was a dynamic runner uh, yeah, and that Philadelphia was going to roll you over with the running attack. But now if you're lucky enough and rugged enough defensively to slow up that attack, Attack. Jalen will throw for 200, you know, 280, 300 on you. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, they got some nice weapons at wide receiver. They're getting healthy defensively. The only thing that worries me about the Philadelphia Eagles are their special teams. Uh, you know, they kept the Giants in the game with special teams goof ups on Sunday. Uh, you know, and uh, you, know, you look back through this regular season so far, Philly has really struggled in that area. Uh, but, you know, offensively, defensively, there's no better combination in yeah. the league than the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts getting a lot of recognition as an MVP candidate, maybe the one of one of the leaders in it and deservedly so. But here's yeah. a stat for you. Philadelphia leads the NFL in sacks with 49. Did you know that's the most sacks for any team through 13 games in a season since? Buddy Ryan's Philadelphia Eagles? No? Since the 2001 New Orleans Saints. Wow. How about that stat? Wow. Yeah. And if you're a Saints historian, that's another reason to say, how could those Jim Haslett teams not win more than they did? I'm with you. Um, okay, so so Buffalo drops out. Um, uh, this thing is a revolving door. <laughs> uh, Minnesota. Uh, what's going on with the Vikings? What happened to them? <sighs> Vikings look vulnerable because of the quarterback position and, you know, and the young defense of theirs is starting to get exposed a little bit and, you know, as a result good. they're yeah, they're, they're up and down every single week. Uh, you know, one week they look like world beaters. Uh, you know, and you know, I acknowledge that this team does have the talent to make a Super Bowl run, even though I stand my bike by my conviction of no team quarterback by Kirk cousins will ever go to a Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, but on paper, they got the talent. Same with the Bills. It just I watch the Bills and just something feels off about them. I don't know what it is. I you know, I, I will acknowledge them too. And they, they're liable to get the number one seed in the AFC. Buffalo could very well make a run of this thing. It would not shock me one bit. Uh yeah, they just don't look like as solid a football team uh you know, when they go out there and strap on the chimp straps, uh you know, as what the Bengals do, uh you know, as what the Chiefs do. Uh yeah, so I'm I'm interested to see what happens with Buffalo down the stretch. Yeah, they just uh it's not so much their offense, it's it's the Bills secondary and their defense. They just don't uh don't stop anybody. Um uh yeah, um the Dolphins struggle a little bit. Uh I tell you the one team I don't want to play right now, don't laugh at me. I don't want to play Detroit. No. Especially when they're at home. I don't want to play them. No, and I've always been kind of a closet uh yeah, Lions fan. Uh, you know, you, you root for the hapless underdogs a little yeah. bit. 
Uh, you know, I love Dan Campbell. I love the enthusiasm that he brings. Uh, you know, I, again, you look at on paper and you wonder how the heck are the Lions doing this? Uh, you know, but you know, year after year, they're getting you know top five, top six draft picks, but they're drafting well late into the you know, into the middle rounds too. Uh, you know, and as we've seen with the New Orleans Saints, it's that kind of thing that can build your team from you know, from within. Uh, yeah, and it's you know, it's those kind of players, the yeah, you know, the players that you never heard of at this juncture of their careers, that are starting to make plays. And yeah, the Lions are playing with a whole load of confidence right now. It's fun to watch them. Yeah, Campbell, they're faking punts, getting first downs. Yeah. They're even throwing it to their um to their uh, right tackle Panay Sewell on a third and seven to get a first down. I mean, the, all the players are buying in, the fans are buying in. That's that's fun football. Why not? Yeah, and yeah, hey, if you're a Saints fan, don't don't you miss a coach that's gonna keep yeah you know, keep another team on their toes with a yeah. little bit of swagger? I know I do. This has got to be the one year, Bob, where I've never seen so many teams go for fourth downs ever in my life. It's almost like if you don't, the fans don't think you can coach. I mean, <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. Time after time. Now, I'm not saying the play calls are good. Oh, my right. God. Some of them are so dumb. It makes yeah. no sense. But they sure are going for it a lot. Yeah, and I love the aggressiveness. And like you said, you know, we've seen individual coaches uh, you know, or specific teams uh, you know, that will roll the dice a lot. Uh, but I, I'm with you. I, I cannot remember throughout the league uh, you know, so many chances taken on fourth down uh, you know, at, at spots in the game where you would expect that a team would roll out their punter and, you know, and play it a little safe. I, I love the aggressiveness. I hope it continues. It, you know, it, it's a, uh, it makes football a little bit more fun to watch. Okay, the Saints and the Falcons started the season off. The Saints fell behind, and they had the miraculous comeback. Uh, Jameis Winston was pretty good in the game. He was, yeah. he was really good, got his back hurt in that game, and it, it went downhill ever since for him. Um, so the Saints are all uh, – let's see. The Saints are at home uh, mm -hmm. to take on the Falcons Sunday at noon. Falcons are 5-8. and eight. Saints are 4-9. and nine. Rookie quarterback making his first start for the Falcons – how do you see it? Uh, I, th I, I think yeah, it's tough. I think the Saints will win this game. Uh, but what alarms me is, you know, you look back to that week one game against Atlanta. Uh, yeah, and what got lost in that miraculous, thrilling comeback was the fact that New Orleans was pushed all over the field sure uh, you know, on both sides of the ball all yeah. game long. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, who would have thunk? that that would have been a precursor for the year to come. Uh, yeah, because that's what happened. Yeah, Jordy, do you realize that the Saints have not run for a, a, a hundred yards as a team in six of their last seven games? Crazy. crazy. It is crazy. And yeah. yeah, if they can establish the run, I love the Saints' chances at winning this game. Uh, yeah, but they're, they're going to have to be physical. We're going to find out about the individual character of these players because yeah, yeah, short of a biblical miracle, they're not going to make the playoffs. So these players are playing for essentially pride at this point. Yep. Uh, you know, it, 
if they have the character that they have shown in years past, I think they beat the Falcons. Uh, you know, because they're, they're just a far more talented team on paper. Okay. Uh, yeah, and you know, you're looking at a very bitter rival. Uh, you know, a chance to even your all-time series. Uh, you're you're one game behind them in, in the all-time series, and also one game behind in home games against Atlanta. So, you know, if you're going to stake your hat, you know, hang your hat on some pride. That's some pride right there. And yeah, I, I don't think it'll be a pretty game. I think it'll be, uh, you know, frankly, infuriating to watch at times. Uh, but I do think the Saints come out of here with a win. He's Bob Rose, Saints News Network. We'll talk about it next Tuesday. Thank you, my friend. Have a great week, my friend. Thank you, as always. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holtberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. All right, quick wrap up here. Thanks to John Brady talking LSU hoops. Ali Cassell talking Pels against the Jazz. Matthew Bruni, all things LSU. And Bob Rose, all things New Orleans Saints. If today is your birthday, uh, December 13th, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with you're a Swifty. Taylor Swift is 33 years young today. And uh, Jamie Foxx is 55 years young today. Tomorrow, hump day with Huguenin. We'll recap the LSU basketball game and the Pelicans and much, much more. James, thank you. Thanks to all of you for listening, our partners. We couldn't do it without you. Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Be kind and be happy, everybody. So long. <laughs>